Please be seated. It was my ninth birthday when I got the best birthday present I ever received. I had just gotten for Christmas uh, the year before a Nintendo. And for that birthday, my parents got me Gold Cartridge, Legend of Zelda. And I was ecstatic, and frankly, I'm still ecstatic. I have invested so much into this cartridge. Uh, I have had it now for longer than almost everyone in this room has been alive, 31 years. This cartridge has followed me through 17 moves, five different states. It holds a position of honor for me in, uh, in my collection, right? I look at it, I think of happy times, I feel happy. And I think that we all have something that's... Well, don't worry, that was actually just a flask. Uh, this, this is my real uh, cartridge from, from those days. I wasn't going to chance my Zelda cartridge on that. I heard a gasp, I heard several gasps, when the Legend of Zelda flask fell to the ground. Why is it? I mean, you guys don't care. And frankly, why should anyone care about it? It is a hunk of plastic. It is an eight-bit video game, you could, ha you could have a billion of them on your phone. Uh, there's no value to it uh, in an objective type of sense, but you could hear it mattered to me, and I would be crying right now if this is the one that had fallen. If the real one had fallen, I would not be happy. We know what it's like to have something important to us, and when we have something that's important to us, we want to see it protected. We know the hurt of seeing something that we value get damaged. And so we put up protective barriers around the things that matter. I buckle my children into the car when we go for a drive. I lock the doors of my house when I leave it for a time. I scotch guard my sofa cushions, right? We take the things that have some importance and we make sure that they are going to st uh, stay safe. In our verses today, we get a keen insight into God's priorities, the things that he values, the thing that he places the highest possible import on, and they literally constitute his last word on the matter. It's appropriate that uh, these verses should come to us through the Apostle John. John uh, refers to himself in his gospel as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he's probably being modest about it when he's saying that, avoiding using his name. Uh, but we use it very much in that way. When we read uh, John's writings, either his gospel or here in Revelation, we're getting a special experience. We are experiencing what it's like to be as close to Jesus as a human being has ever been, to be part of that inner circle, to have that special insight of being right there next to him. It's an experience that we receive uh, from him, and this text definitely provides that. And once again, these are, when I said the literal last word, these verses are the last verses of the entire Bible. This is how God puts a bow 
on the entire book, not just the book of Revelation, the whole good book. What is it that we walk away with at the end of the Bible? We read from the 22nd chapter of the book of Revelation. We'll start at verse 18, and it says, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies, Jesus that being, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, at first, when we look at these verses and we bear in mind that they're the last words of the Bible, they can come across as a little bit you know, like surprising. They don't fit in my mold of how I like a book to end, typically. These are awfully intense, hardcore verses. It's a threat and a demand that's being... These are not fluffy Verses. This isn't a, and they all lived happily ever after, and the screen, Iris goes down to a fade to black, and the dramatic music swells. This is, do not touch this thing, or curses. Curses of many will be upon you. It's a tough, rough way uh, to, to end the book. This demand highlights a value. God is setting up a protective ring around something that matters hugely to him. He says, if anyone adds to the things in this book, if anyone takes away from the things in this book, you are in serious trouble. That's an understatement to say the least. If anyone adds anything to this book, that's a sin that we see plenty, right? Where people Put up new barriers, new obstacles, new requirements, new laws, separating us further from God. The opposite end, taking things away from this, this incredibly important communication from God, to take it and rob it of, uh, uh, of hope, to delete things that maybe make us uncomfortable or that we don't feel like defending. At first brush... When we look at these things, it makes us feel a little uncomfortable, but then I got to tell you, as a, as a school kid, and being, when I was a Lutheran uh, school child in grade school, I would look at these and I'd be like, this is a strong affirmation of Lutheran awesomeness, right? This is God saying, you get this all right, and you have to get this all right, and, and if you do, then thumbs up, and I'll go get all those other uh, denominations. But that's not at all what this is saying. Because there's a creepy reality that's behind this. We tend to live in a way that shows a lack of concern over all of these things. In order for me to ever, ever feel superior to anyone else, I have to be adding things to this book. Because the whole book tells me I am inadequate. We are all inadequate. We are all sinners who should be doomed to hell. There's nothing in there to indicate that I'm any more worthy than anybody or that I even could make myself any more beloved to God. So a sense of superiority from me? 
That's me adding to the book. In order for me to disobey anything that that book puts forward, I have to be deleting. I have to be making exceptions that in this circumstance or at this time or in my state of mind or with how much I really, really need this thing that for me, it's okay. In order for me to justify myself, I have to be taking things away from it. These verses redirect us to what it means to take God's word carelessly. When it says here that he's going to uh, add the plagues that are described in this book, the book of Revelation talks about plenty of plagues. You've got a plague of sores. You've got a plague of darkness. There's earthquakes. There's blood. The sun burns people to a crisp. Nature turns against humanity in the plagues described in scripture. If you're not going to regard God's word, then all those things that he created with his word are also going to turn against you. And it's a horrifying scene in a lot of ways. And what gets taken away? The thing that gets taken away is our literal only escape hatch out of this disaster. And after talking about all of this horror, making these huge demands, and issuing some of the most pointed, visceral threats in the entire Bible, how does John respond? He says, amen. He says, truth, yeah, totally, I'm fully on board with this. Come, Lord Jesus. What a turn. Why is it that he's able to jump so enthusiastically? on this horrifying ending. Well, it stems from the thing that God is really protecting here. As, as much as this reveals the value that he puts on his word and the extent to which he's willing to protect it, it reveals something else even more clearly. Why is that word so important to him? It's important to him because it is our only escape hatch from this world. It matters to him because we matter to him. Why is it that God places so much protection on the book of salvation? It's not because he's being hyper-protective. It's not because he's concerned about criticism. It's because he wrote this book in order to reunite us with him. It's not protection over words, it's protection over you. You matter to God so much that he is going to stand between you and every evil obstacle with every weapon that he has in his arsenal. He looks and says, if you damage in even the slightest way my relationship with my child, I will burn you. I will break you. I will bleed you. He's like a dad meeting his daughter's boyfriend for the very first time. It is serious, protective threats, and he means them. There's no patience in this for anyone who would try to steal you 
from him. And that makes sense. Think about the lengths that he already went to to reunite himself with you. It didn't matter how badly you hurt him. It didn't matter how, bad, how many times you turned your back on him. He loved you enough that he sent his own son, knowing that this son would do the job that you couldn't do, taking the credit that Jesus had earned and applying it to you, making you his child instead. And then, knowingly, taking all the blame, all the punishment that we had earned, and dropping it on Jesus. Through scripture, through faith, God provides the way out. He provides the way to a reunion. He showers us with gifts, linking us to him through baptism, feeding us and building us up in our faith through the bread and and the body and the wine and the blood. He guarantees you forgiveness and drops it all in your mouth, sprinkles it on your head and brings you to him. After everything... Of course, this is a message that God was going to protect because you are his daughter. You are his son. Because he would do anything to protect you. Because he determined that you are worth protecting. The final words of Revelation, the final words of the Bible, show the ferocity of God's love for us. They establish a priority for him, and they inform us uh, of a priority that we should have for ourselves, the right place to have God's word and our relationship with him in our lives, sitting up on top. We see the intensity of his protection and concern for our salvation. We have a good look at our own priorities, and in our own excitement, to be with our loving Father, we are the disciples that Jesus loves, and we express with him, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, be reunited with us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Please rise. Lord God, you come to us in power through your word. You protect our relationship with you in power in your word. Secure in us a place in our hearts that mirrors the priorities that you have established. Put chief amongst our relationships, our relationship with you, and help us always to look with eyes of hope and gratitude on the gift you gave us in your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. Thank you.